everybody. Thank you for joining me today. Dave Therrien here. I had New Hope Radio. Been away from the mic for a few days, but we're back. Hope we can. Hope we can do a good job for you today. Uh, you're listening to 1590 on the AM dial, 92.7 FM, WARV. Also, Facebook, newhopecc.tv. I think we're on YouTube, too. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, I'm monitoring the Facebook chat. If you have something to say, question to ask, a comment to make, I'll see if I can get it in there. Claudia's already checked in. She's ready to go here on New Hope Radio. You know, we're in a series entitled Bible Stuff You Should Know. And we're covering various topics of things that, you know, we should know as people of God. And today we're going to answer the question, man, why is the world in such a terrible condition? You think it is? I think so. And why is that so? We're going to see today. It has to do with the condition, here it comes, of the heart of man. What happened? What happened to our heart? That we function in such a way that we destroy each other, we destroy the world, that we destroy all the good things God has given us. We're going to see that today. You know, our problems go way back to the beginning. Did you know that? All the way back to the origin. We talked previously about how God created us, and we talked about all the the components that make us up. The material part of who we are, we have a physical body. But then we talked also about the immaterial part of who we are. We have a soul. Relates to the world around us. We have a spirit relates to God. We have a heart, stores God's word. We have a mind, it's our place of intellect. We have a conscience, it's where our values are stored, our priorities, our standards. We have a will, that's the place where we make, where we make choices, very important. So we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And therefore, I like this part. We were the recipients of his grace and of his good intentions. God had incredible plans for his creation called man. And though God had a plan for him, man had a free will. And you know what happened? With that free will, he made some uh, pretty bad choices. And it changed his whole relationship with God. What changed was the fact that man fell into sin. You know, the, the, the interesting thing, people don't like the word sin, but that's the root of all our problems. If they could understand sin, that we could address the problems that we have in the world. But people don't like that word. I don't know why. So today we're going to try to answer the question that many people have, why is the world in such a terrible condition. Genesis chapter 2, we have a record of where our problems began. In the beginning, God placed man in a beautiful garden. He wanted him to live there, cultivate it, enjoy it. It was God's perfect plan for man. I like what one person said. After God formed Adam, he put him in a garden. Only he that made us can make us happy. He that is the former of our bodies 
and the Father of our spirits, and none but He can fully provide for the happiness of both. You get that? The one that created us is the only one that can fulfill us. Even in paradise itself, he said, man had to work. None of us was sent into the world to be idle. He that made our souls and our bodies has given us something to work with. And he that gave us this earth for our habitation has made us something to work upon. (laughs) I like that. He gave us a body to work with and the earth to work upon. He said, the sons and heirs of heaven, while in this world, have something to do about this world. We have something to do about it. And there is a true pleasure in the business of God that calls us to, and he employs us in. See, when God gave us something to do, he wanted us to find pleasure in it. That's why if you're going to seek a career, choose one that will give you pleasure. Adam could not have been happy being idle. That's why God said, cultivate the garden and keep it. And it's still God's law. He that will not work should not eat. Think about that. Because God knows that the food of the worker, oh, it tastes a lot better, (laughs) doesn't it? Did you ever notice that if you work for something, you appreciate it more than if you don't work for it? That's why giving freebies doesn't enhance appreciation for what's being received. And I don't like the way sometimes the government just wants to hand out everything. Make it free, free education. You think that education will be appreciated? Free this, free that. You think it'll be appreciated? I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. You know what else God wanted to do? He wanted to prove to Adam and Eve in the garden that their true happiness is in their relationship with him and nothing else. Yes, they can have happiness in the in the things, in the garden, and the food, and the animals, but their true happiness is in their relationship with their creator. Oh, we can learn so much about ourselves <clears throat> by understanding the relationship between Jesus and Adam and Eve. So he set up a scenario giving them free reign of the garden. Here's this beautiful garden. That's your home. And he said, now listen, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Just avoid that one. Stay away from it. That's called the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You got the whole garden. Just stay away from that one. And he promises them that if they ate from that tree, they would experience, uh uh-oh, two deaths. They would die spiritually, where they would have a broken relationship with God because of taking on a new nature, a sin nature, and then they would die or begin to die physically. That that would begin the process of dying. You know, if they didn't sin in the garden, they probably would have just kept on living, just kept on keeping on. So let's look at some scriptures in Genesis 2.16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat, 
But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now that little phrase, surely die, it literally means dying, you will die. And that's the two deaths. Spiritual death, broken relationship with God, and then physically they would begin to die. Sin starts the process of dying. Now, there were many trees in the garden. The tree of life gave them life when they ate from it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, that was for the exercise of their volition. And every tree was appealing, but only one was forbidden. Think about that. Every tree was appealing, but only one was forbidden. Like if someone said, listen, I've got 25 cars here, beautiful imports that you can drive, but there's one of them, I don't want you to drive that one. But you can have all the other 25. So it's like, no man, I want that one. That's where we get into trouble. 25 beautiful cars, Maserati, Porsche, Lamborghini, Mercedes, you name it, Mustang, Camaro, Challenger, have them all. You, but you see that one over there? Just don't. Stay away from that one. You can have all these. That's basically what God was saying in the garden. You get all those beautiful trees. You see that tree over there? Just stay away from that. It's trouble. You don't want to go there. Every tree was appealing, but only one was forbidden. And why didn't God want man to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Maybe he wasn't ready yet. Maybe he needed to grow and to develop more of a godly viewpoint toward life. Maybe he couldn't handle it. You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, man, that wasn't something he was ready for. So then they're in the garden. Okay, things are going along for a while. And then we get to chapter 3 in the book of Genesis. Enter the temptation. Now the serpent. A slimy serpent. More crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. You know why? Because Satan went into the serpent. Made him really clever. Really subtle and smart. Oh, it really did. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Did God really say that? See, one man said, Unless we have within us that which is above us, we shall soon yield to that which is around us. I like that. Unless we have within us that which is above us, we shall soon yield to that which is around us. Satan's plan was simply to get Eve to doubt God. That's all. You know what the basis of sin sin is in the world? Doubting God. That's it. When you begin to doubt God, you begin to take upon yourself, here it comes, a different frame of reference, a different perception toward life. You start to you start to see things differently, you start to do things differently. And it always ends up in regret. There are three stages to our awareness. There's number one, to believe, and that means to accept something as true. Then there's number two, to disbelieve, where you just reject it. You say, no, I don't accept it. And then there's number three, to doubt. And that's where you waver between the two. 
See, the serpent didn't want to get Eve to disbelieve. That would be too obvious. But he got her to waver. Waver. Hey, maybe that's not so bad. You know, the more you think about a bad idea, the better the idea sounds. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> the more you think about a bad idea, the better the idea sounds. That's called rationalizing. We rationalize why we do the things that we do. So here's the result of the temptation. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she says, oh, it looks pretty good. And it was a delight to the eyes. Like I said, all the trees were appealing. And that the tree was desirous to make one wise. In other words, I think if I eat that tree, I'll get really smart. There's some smart food on that tree. Right? You ever go in the grocery store, you see smart food? What's that, popcorn? Smart food. I've been eating that smart food for years. It hasn't helped me. <laughs> Maybe I need to eat more. So she took, from, she took the fruit from the tree and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her. I'm like, Adam, what are you doing? Are you watching what's going on, Adam? Are you, are you watching the animals or are you watching your wife? How close was he? I don't know. But she gave, him, she gave him some of the fruit. So Eve made two mistakes. Number one, she justified her actions because she figured this will make me wise. Forget what God said. If it makes me wise, I think that's better. And then number two, she forgot the consequences. Dying, you'll die. She forgot the consequence for sin is always greater than the sin itself. Oh, man, you want to put that one down in your notebook. The consequences for sin are always greater than the joy from the sin itself. And you might be aware of what the consequences were. The serpent was condemned to crawl. That's why, you know, the serpent had legs. God took away his legs. Now he's a snake. Now he crawls on the ground. Satan is at war with the seed of the woman who is Christ. Now Eve and all women will experience pain at childbirth. Imagine that, ladies. You could have had babies with no pain, but now you know there's pain. Man would work by the sweat of his brow. You know, the ground would cooperate with man. Not anymore, because the whole world is cursed now. So now man has to fight for the ground, fight for the crops. It's not easy. The human race would be in a spiritually dead condition, mocked by broken fellowship with God and eternal condemnation. Here's the thing that people don't realize. They don't realize that they are in a broken relationship with God. They don't. And because they don't realize that they're in a broken relationship with God, they don't see the cause of the trouble in the world. As a matter of fact, man thinks by removing God from our lives, we can fix the problem. Talk about a deception. The only way to fix the problem is to get God back in to our lives. He's got to be in your life. Why? Because the one, the one that formed you is the only one that can fill you. Okay? The one that formed you 
is the only one that can fill you. So here's man and his deception and then his fallen nature. The farther I get from God, the better off I'll be. Not really. The world is evidence of that right now. The trouble that's going on in the world is evidence that people are very far from God. Those people jumping on the roofs of cars, those people throwing Molotov cocktails, those people insulting and mocking the police, burning down buildings, looting stores, they're far from God. They're far from God. That's the, that's the root problem. Far from God. And the more, and the further we get from God, the more problems are going to, they're going to grow. They're going to they're be more enhanced in life. So be careful. Who do you want to run the country? You want God-fearing people. You want people that are close to God so they can make God-fearing God laws, laws that are better for society. So let's talk about the word that nobody likes to talk about, sin. And I'm going to give you nine facts concerning sin. Number one, the word is hamatia. And the definition, it simply means to miss the mark. That's all. It's like if you shoot an arrow at a target and you miss the target, that's sin. You miss the target. You didn't hit the mark. John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now, what is lawlessness? The word is anomia. A is always the negative. It means without the law. So when you practice sin, you're operating against the law, without the law. What is the law? The law is a guardrail to keep you safe. That's what it is. Think of it as a guideline. Hey, you stay within these boundaries and you'll do okay. What happens when you're going down the highway and you disregard the guardrail? You go over the side. You have an accident. And there's damage and destruction, sometimes death. That's what happens when we go outside the guardrails that God has established for us. So sin is any deviation from the commands of God. And it does not conform to the glory of God. And now here's, listen, nobody's better than anybody else. Because the Bible tells us all have sinned, we're all in the same boat, and have fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not like you're better than me, I'm better than you, he's better than her, she's better than him. We are all in deep trouble because we have a sin nature. And that sin nature prompts us to sin. That leads us to what? Personal sin. What is personal sin? Personal sin, it's not just missing the mark. Good omitted means a wrong committed. Personal sin can be knowing the right thing to do and not doing it. That's what James said. To the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So you can omit doing the right thing. Don't think sin is always doing the wrong thing. Sometimes it's just not doing the right thing. That's all. You're not doing the thing that's right, that you're being called to do, whatever that might be. I don't know what that is. And why do we operate this way? Why do we do the wrong thing and not do the right thing? This is why, and this is where we're all equal. We all have an inherited sin nature. See, once Adam and Eve fell into sin, they created what's called a sin nature. 
And when a woman conceives, the sin nature is created, and that baby is carrying a sin nature. And we're all born with a sin nature. That's why Jesus was virgin born. He didn't have a human mother and a human father. He only had a human mother. And his father was the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this, there was no sin nature created in Jesus. He was born without a sin nature. And yet he still lived 33 years and he never sinned. Never had a bad thought. Never spoke a bad word. Never did a wrong deed. And that qualified him to be the Savior of the world. Oh, yeah. He was a lamb without spot, without blemish, and he could die for our sins. There's a remedy for this sin problem. There is. I don't know if I'll get to it today. So I get to join me next time. There is a remedy to the sin problem. But let's get back to the inherited sin nature. We all have it. Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we're all born with a natural tendency to sin. He said, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. He's speaking about himself. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. I'm pointing to my head. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. By nature. In other words, that's our natural state of being. We're sinners. We're all sinners. Everybody. Nobody's not a sinner. Everybody is. We were born with a nature that gives us a propensity to sin. And we do. We follow that propensity. Remember the immaterial part of man? Every part of us is corrupted now. <laughs> We're in trouble. Every part is corrupted. The intellect, right? We have an intellect, right? It's corrupted. You know what Paul said? Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, people said, ah, forget God. I need him. Forget him. You know what God did? He gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. So there are people in the world today They say, forget God. They're saying worse than that. God gives them over. He gives them over to their own depravity and they wreak havoc with others and themselves. Our, dep our conscience is depraved. Remember the place where we have our values and our standards? Now that's depraved. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their conscience are defiled, Paul said to Titus. So even the conscience, which is like, the conscience is the warning system of the soul. It goes off like an alarm when, you, when, when something wrong is, is happening or you're going to do something wrong. It warns you. But when the conscience is depraved, you can't discern between right and wrong. Or if you know it's wrong, you don't care. Oh, let me go jump on the roof of that car. I don't care. Oh, let me rob from my company. They don't pay me enough anyway. I don't care. And people do things and they don't care because the conscience is seared because it's depraved. Our heart, our heart is where we store information. Paul said that we're darkened in our understanding because of the hardness of heart. Now we can't even understand things. How do you figure something out if you can't understand it? So when your heart is depraved, you're like lost. 
You're seriously lost. There's no way out. You can't find the way out. You can't. And then in the spirit, a spirit is depraved. Paul said, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So before salvation, a spirit is like dead. But when Christ is in you, it comes alive. And what do we say about the spirit? That's the means by which we have a relationship with God. So no spirit, no relationship with God. The Bible sounds dumb. But when you've got the spirit, you can have a relationship with God. And the Bible is truth. You say, oh, yeah, I like what it says. So think about it. The whole person is depraved. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, Isaiah said, there is nothing sound in it. (laughs) Nothing. We are in deep trouble. That's why you've got to understand the remedy for sin. There is a remedy. There really is. And I'm not going to have time to get to it today. But I'll tell you what, we're going to come back next time. We're going to talk about the penalties of sin. There are some penalties and they're not good. And then we're going to talk about the remedy of sin. See, God hasn't left us here in this condition. He hasn't. He loves us. And he didn't leave us in a place where we had no hope and no help. As a matter of fact, he made the remedy available to anybody who wants it. Think about it. Anybody who wants this remedy from your lost condition, you can have it. God offers it to you. And we're going to see that next time. So please join me. And that next time will be tomorrow. Now, all these messages are on our podcast. You can go to newhopecc.tv. Online anytime. They're always there. Just scroll down. They're also on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, type in podcast. There you want to go to the Hope Club podcast. Type in the Hope Club podcast. And you will find our broadcast. And they'll be there. And share them with other people. It's so important because, like I said, we're all born lost. Every one of us. But there's a remedy. There's a way out. And that way out is free to all those who want it. And many of you that are listening, you have it. And thank the Lord for it. But others need to know that it's available to them as well. So let's do that, okay? And don't forget, join the Hope Club. If you're not in the Hope Club, I'll tell you what, $3 a week, you'll get a devotional Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a Tuesday challenge. It's a great way to start the day with the Word of God, get a little inspiration. Go to the website, newhopecc.tv, click giving, scroll down, click radio, and fill out the information. Make your honest commitment of $3 a week, and you'll be in the Hope Club, and you'll start getting our devotionals, okay? Thank you for coming along today. Have a great day, and I'm looking forward to being with you next time right here on New Hope Radio.